Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features David Luff from the North Battleford Summer Camp with a message called The Kingdom Pattern. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knows at the end of each path that we take. For when we are tried and purified, we shall come forth as gold. Hallelujah. At the first Sunday morning as the brethren gathered to have prayer before service, we were seeking the Lord about who would minister. And Brother Sunbow said, well, I have something on my heart. The vine and the branches. And I almost swallowed my tongue. Because that is exactly what the Lord had been dealing with me on for, for a good many weeks. But it was just as it should have been. Things have linked together just like cars on a train that just backs in and just keeps hooking them up and hooking them up and hooking them up until the train is complete. We thank God for the way he has moved in our midst We are experiencing the Spirit of God in reality. (laughs) We're not just talking about it. We are are experiencing what He is doing. We are a part of it. We are flowing together in it. And we can sense it, (laughs) that things are coming to a head. A few weeks ago, our immediate family, made up of our kids, and they're all their families, 15 of us, took a week and went to the beach on the coast of South Carolina and enjoyed a wonderful time together as a family. About midweek, one of our uh, youngest granddaughter had had a bit more sun than she needed. And so our daughter said, well, you know, this afternoon you can't, you're going to have to stay inside. And so she got out about a, I guess it was a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. And she put it out on the dining room table there and she put the box lid there where you could see it. And there were all these puzzle pieces laying out there on the table. You looked at that picture and what it was was about two dozen scoops of ice cream <laughs> all together. Most of them were some version of chocolate. So it was, they were dark, the pieces were dark. There was a couple of lime sherbets in there and you could sort of pick out the green. But everything else was kind of, you know, it was difficult. It was a difficult puzzle. So some of the younger granddaughters gathered around there and they were all excited about putting the puzzle together. And it wasn't very long until... They were pretty discouraged. (laughs) And so, you know, they sort of went on the way. My daughter stayed there. She would work a few pieces in. You begin to see the top left corner come in and kids would come back in and maybe they'd find a piece or two. And uh, this is too hard. (laughs) So they would leave. I came down. I thought, well, I'll, I'll work a few pieces. So I was sitting there and trying to put pieces together and. You know, I found, I kept working on this one spot, and I thought, 
I found a piece and it just almost fit. But it wouldn't quite go. And I thought, I wonder if this is one of these puzzles that when it was stamped out, this piece just wasn't quite right. (laughs) And if you just trimmed it just a bit, it would fit. But I knew better, and I didn't. But you know, over time, it... The various ones worked on that puzzle, and you began to see piece sections of it come together. They didn't fit together, but they would be a little spot here, and spot here, and spot here. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the coming together of this kingdom pattern. You know, we've been talking about the how the the home is put together. So you begin to see that part of it. And then you begin to see, you know, say the government part of it come together. And then you begin to see the gifts and such. But they weren't all all connected yet. And various ones would come and go and put a piece in here or there. And finally, after about two days, I went down there and there was the puzzle. Big puzzle. That was the pattern, but the puzzle was so much more magnificent than what you could see on the box top. And I was thinking, what we're about today, we have seen the pattern that God has for the home, for the family, for the church, for the kingdom of God. But in my mind's eye, I don't think even what we can see as the pattern, the glories of the real, are not to be compared to that pattern. And as I thought about these various pieces coming together, our brother mentioned last night, every single part is critical. Whether you are in a, whether you are married and in a family, or if you are single, or if you are widowed, or a widower, or you're just a single young person or a single old person, as these pieces of the, as the, as the ice cream pieces came together, there were other pieces in there that connected those together. And you know, if that puzzle were finished and there were there was one piece missing, everybody who looked at you know what guess what everyone would say when they looked at that puzzle? What would they say? Huh? There's a piece missing. Well, there's nine hundred and ninety-nine of them in place. But everyone would see the whole. Every single piece of that puzzle was critical. Well, there was the box top. There was the pattern. I'd like to just read a couple of scriptures that are like the box top for us when we look for the kingdom. Isaiah eleven six through 9. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, it, it's going to take a very unified and submissive and obedient people to administer a kingdom that will result in the wolf lying down with the lamb. That will not just happen without a lot of ministry. And those are the things, that's part of that pattern that we see when we get a glimpse of the finished product. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, And it shall come to pass in the last days, That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. And out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What a beautiful picture of what is surely coming. We see through a glass darkly now, but one day... Face to face. As we look and see what's happening in the earth today, we realize that there is a long way to go. There's a long way to go in the church, but we are on the way. And no one knows how quick a work God can do as the end begins to, to draw near. But we're living in a critical hour and the enemy is pulling out all of the stops. And we have heard this, that we are in a warfare. It is a spiritual warfare, but nevertheless, more real than any physical warfare that could exist. I believe the time is short. That's just personal. I don't have any special insight into that, but you just get that. Feeling, But I have wondered, you know, as we think about the church, you know, you wonder what is the great need for the church in this hour? I recently read a book by Andrew Murray. Brother Marcus mentioned him last night in one of the ones in, that sort of stood out as the as the history of the church unfolded and the restoration of truth unfolded. And I'd like to quote a paragraph from that book, if I could, just a short one. It said, he said, in Scotland, I once was in a company where we were talking about the condition of Christ's church and what the great need of the church and of the believers is. There was in our company a godly worker who has much to do in training of workers. And I asked him what he would say was the great need of the church. And the message that he thought should be preached. And he answered very quietly, simply and determinedly. Absolute surrender to God is the one thing. 
As you might expect, the title of the little book was Absolute Surrender. Those words have stuck with me and struck me and embedded themselves in my heart now for weeks. It's not a new concept by any means. But in the prophecies this morning, as I guess when Brother Wayne ministered yesterday morning, it just caused me to be a little keener (laughs) to listen, listen more closely to the words of prophecy that come forth. And maybe it's just because I was tuned into that particular thing. I don't know. But the idea of surrendering, of giving ourselves unto God unconditionally seemed to come out in the songs and in the prophecies. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is a reasonable thing for us to surrender ourselves unconditionally unto God. It is not unreasonable. It is not unreasonable for him to expect it. And it is not unreasonable for us to do it. But for some reason... The idea of an absolute surrender to God, maybe anyone else for that matter, seems to strike fear into our hearts. For some reason, there is that, what happens if I do this? What what would be required of me? What if I can't do it? What if I fail? What if I try and fail again? And there is that, somehow there is that resistance to feel like that we can give ourselves unconditionally to God. Any man or woman who has tried to follow Christ has at one time or another faced discouragement. In their quest to live a victorious Christian life. I'm certain there are many here today who are facing discouragement. I know I have. And I looked up the word discouragement. And of course, you know, it just kind of, just kind of the opposite of courage. So I kind of formatted a, a, a definition for discouragement based on what courage is. And this is what I came up with. The state of one's mind and heart that disables him or her to face difficulty, danger, pain, etc. Due to fear and the expectation of failure based on past experience. I know, you know, everybody's different, but I will share maybe just a little bit about my own personal experience with this. Maybe everyone has kind of a natural makeup. God gave it to us that way. And, you know, to me, you know, I'm I'm kind of a doer, you know. You get 
It's it's all about getting in there, doubling up your fist, you know, gritting your teeth, get her done, you know, get on with it type thing. This can be done. I'm able to do this. You know, there's no reason why I can't accomplish this. Let's get on with it. And over and over and over again, I have experienced that going so far, and then eventually, I'll I'll hit the wall. And I and and you know, try try again. And the same thing happens in my experience. It reminded me of a story. It's a bit of a humorous story, but but it's but I I don't want you to just hear the humor. I want you to hear. The truth behind it. There was an elk hunter that went up into northern Saskatchewan to hunt elk. And it was it was way up in the bush. And you couldn't, the only way you could get there was to fly in. And so there was a bush pilot that flew him in. And after a week of hunting, he had killed two elk. And he had the elk dressed and everything ready to bring back. And got ready to load them in the plane. And the pilot said, we can't take two elk. We only have enough power in this plane to get out of here with one. You don't have to leave the other one. He said, the pilot last year wasn't afraid to try it. He said, well, okay, I guess we'll try it. So they took off and they just, they practically cleared the top of the trees. And then one tall tree caught one of the struts, pulled it down. The plane chopped up a bunch of trees before it hit the ground. Fortunately, neither one of them were seriously injured, but the pilot was really, really angry. And he said to the hunter, he said, I told you that we were not going to be able to get off the ground with both of these elk. He said, well, that's right, but we made it 300 yards further than we did last year. But that's what it's like to try to walk the Christian life with your teeth gritted. But this need not be, saints of God. And we heard this over and over in prophecy this morning. I could not believe it. I could not believe what we heard in prophecy this morning. The scripture presents us with a much more encouraging picture of surrender. Matthew 12, 28 through 30. This was prophesied this morning. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest (laughs) unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have thought lately that the easiest burden we will ever bear is the cross that Christ has given us to bear. Every other burden that we conjure up on our own and load ourselves down with is heavy 
and difficult. But the burden that Christ will put upon our shoulders to bear, I'm not saying it will always be easy, but it will be much easier than the ones we put upon ourselves. What does it mean to be completely surrendered? Well, flowers, trees, plants, all the things in nature, they are totally surrendered to God. These peonies out here in this this beautiful garden out here outside the the, the dining hall, those plants are 100% surrendered to God. And because they are surrendered to God, they can do exactly, he can do exactly with those plants what he wants them to do. And they bloom and they put off a beautiful perfume. They, they do exactly their, what they were fitted to do by God. This pen right here in my hand, it has to be totally surrendered to me if I'm going to write with it. Andy and I cannot write together with this pen at the same time. It's got to be completely surrendered to one or the other of us or what it was designed to do so effectively and perfectly for, you know, what it's supposed to do, which is write. Only if it is surrendered to the person who is doing the writing. And that's the way it is with us. Is it not just as unreasonable to expect God to work his work of beauty and blessing in us if only part of ourselves is given over to him? God expects our surrender. Now, here's the good news, the wonderful message of the gospel. God will not command of us what he will not bestow. It almost seems too good to be true. One of the brethren one time sort of told me, he said, Brother Luff, you preach the same sermon every time. And it's true. I thought about that, and it's true. But it seems like that each time I do, God has has somehow revealed just a little bit more about the reality of it. And I'm hoping maybe he'll reveal more of that reality to you. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Wherefore, my beloved. Beloved, that's us. Those who are greatly loved of God. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And listen to this verse, for it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. God, who has died for our sins, has now come in his person to dwell within us. And has enabled us not only for him to dwell in us, but as Brother Sunbow ministered to us Sunday morning, for us to dwell in him. For us to abide in him. Our responsibility is to abide. 
Our responsibility is to dwell. Our responsibility is to remain. Our responsibility is to keep that channel open so that the God Almighty Creator of the universe can allow His unending, unbeginning, unending life to flow from Him into us. It is as simple and as difficult as that. First Thessalonians 5 and 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. We heard in prophecy this morning. I couldn't write fast enough to get it all down, but something along this line. He has given us all things to be holy. He will make you holy. That was God's word in prophecy or in song. I can't remember. Walk with me. For I am holy. Walk with me for I am holy. Yeah, Genesis 5 and 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Hebrews 11 and 5 says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony He pleased God. And of course, we can go into the other parts of Scripture and read all of the great works of Enoch. Right? Hezekiah 2.4, right? (laughs) All it says about Enoch was two things. He walked with God and he pleased God. That's all it said. I was reading an article in in the book that of collected writings of Brother Holt. And this stuck out in my mind. He said, if you have the choice of becoming a great Bible scholar or walking with God, take the walk. <clears throat> the Christian religion, if you will... <laughs> Is one of relationships. It's not so much the one of rules and regulations. It's a one of relationships. It's a relationship among God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the relationship of the Godhead with His people. By way of the Spirit of God. It's all about those relationships. My wife and I have been married for 46 years. Think, right? 46. I think it's going on 47. But anyway, long time. You, to have a relationship requires, you have to, you have to invest time into that. You have to have that. It's not so much about doing, it's about, it's about sharing. It's about talking to one another. It's about 
listening to one another. It's about feeling what the other person is feeling and, and that sort of thing. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants us to have that relationship with Him so that that eternal life and all of the things that the blessings that we desire will flow from that vine into that branch. But I would suggest to you, saints of God, the problem that we have so often, sure enough, the branches are weak. They are. If you compare the vine to the branch, the makeup is exactly the same. The DNA, so to speak, is exactly the same. The only difference is one's big and strong and the other one's small and weak. But if that channel is open and that there's a healthy connection to the vine, the life will flow through there and into that branch and fruit will come forth. The key is not about doing. The key is about resting and abiding and letting the Spirit of God do in us what He is ordained to do. There is no... There is no way, really, to seek out by prayer the blessings of God independently. (laughs) The blessings of God come through the life of God. They don't, He doesn't so much come to just, okay, we call on God, we need this, we need that, we need the other, and He, okay, provides that, we go on our way and come back. No. There is that, the, the, the blessings of God come through the whole person of Christ himself. <clears throat> There's a, a scripture in 1 Corinthians. I've got it here. And I'll, just, I'll just read it here. And I'm reading it from the New International Version. It's an older version, which is a lot better than some of the newer so-called NIVs. But it says this, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to change the, shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. Right, Marcus? It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us. Wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Oh, hallelujah. The very thing that God requires of us, He has come to do in us. Praise God. The blessings prepared cannot be obtained as special independent gifts. They come by our abiding in Christ. It is He who is the gift. 
Second Corinthians nine and 15 says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, unspeakable gift, the gift of himself in Christ, the unspeakable gift are all the other gifts treasured up and all the blessings treasured up. <clears throat> I have lots more stuff here. But you know, the only thing I really want to leave is that that when we are in Christ, and that is a fact, God has established and has placed us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Not only is He in us, But we are in Him. And He is there to provide everything we need to live a victorious life. But it requires of us an absolute surrender of ourselves. There are those here this morning that I know are struggling with the need for physical healing. There are those here who are struggling with the need for emotional healing. Or whatever the case may be. God seems to be in, in prophecy this morning and on the hearts of the brethren. It seems that the Lord is saying this is a time that God wants to do a healing work in us. Whether it is for physical healing or whatever kind of healing is required in us. Let us come with without fear to have to give him unconditionally our whole selves body soul and spirit god it, it is that it is that giving of ourselves and somehow it seems to me that the work that we have to do is work to labor to enter into his rest. The rest where we have ceased from our own labors and where we are resting in God to complete and do in us what he has ordained for us to become. To let him shape us into the image of Christ. We talked, uh, brother talked a little bit about pruning the other day. Pruning is so necessary. I had a there was a man that lived in our neighborhood when I was growing up. He had a beautiful yard. It wasn't ostentatious or anything. It was just it was just beautiful, naturally. And every day he had fruit trees and he had flowers and he had pretty grass and he had all just a beautiful place. And every day when he would come home from work, he would change his clothes. He would put the pruning shears in his pocket. And as he went around his lawn and his garden and his orchard, he would be snipping here and there. And as you think of the grapevine, you think of the grapevine, you think of the grape itself. Within that grape is something that if it is fermented and distilled, it's quite spirited. You know, can oftentimes be misused. But at the same time, that grapevine has the greatest tendency for growing wild wood 
of any other plant that I know of. If you ever see an untended grapevine, it is a mess. It's just tangled going everywhere. But the gardener has come to, to do that pruning which we need in our lives. And I guess I'd, I'd, like to find, I'd like to find one more scripture to close with, if I could, if I can do it. Maybe I can't. But what it, but what it says is, oh, here it is. It's in Isaiah, the 27th chapter, verses 2 and 3. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Every single moment the husbandman is watching over the vine. And he is watering it and looking after it and taking care of it every moment. This morning, if there are those in here who who are in need of healing of any kind whatsoever, you'd like prayer for that or you'd like if you want to surrender yourselves to the Lord in a way that you have never done before and you can see that it's not a difficult thing to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But the scripture says his commandments are not grievous unto us. They are not difficult for us to do. I'm sure there are those who who need prayer for healing that are not here this morning. There are those of you who at feast stood with those who who needed prayer for healing. If you had the gifts of healing or you had the gift of faith or you had the gift of intercession. If you feel to come this morning and stand with those who would like to come and be prayed for this morning. We're going to ask the brethren to come and we're going to ask for the, the, the young man who was playing the piano this morning for us if he'll come. And just play, and in the time that's remaining, it won't take a lot of time, but we've got plenty of brethren who will come, and you who have those gifts, if you'll just stand with them, you come and, and let the one who will fit us for that which he has for us to do, just come and, and meet us here this morning. If you need that, you just come as our brother plays. You just play what's on your heart, okay? Glory to God. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one who who comes with a complete set of resources that we need. It is in you, Lord, the person of Christ that we depend upon. You have come to meet all of our needs from your riches and glory, Father, in the heavenly places. Lord, if various ones have needs this morning, we pray, Lord, that they would come. And we pray, Lord, that you would just stir the waters as it were. And if there are those who need that physical touch this morning, we pray, Father, that they will come. Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you'd like more information about the moving of God's Spirit, more resources for your spiritual life, email us at info at globalmissionsinc.org. 